0: legacy of monsters season one episode five is over but we are just getting started here on post show recaps. i have gone into the reclamation zone searching through offices all over the place i am adam h i'm this is really illegal stuff that's happening we're basically looting but thankfully i am here with someone who i fully believe with all of my heart We'll follow the cats. It is Todd. Todd Brain. how are you?
1: Uh, I'm doing well. And yes, I will definitely follow the cats. That is <laughs> uh, probably the most true statement you've said on this podcast so far.
0: I, I mean, uh, definitely more you than me. I am allergic to cats. So that would be, you know, number one, kind of a tough, uh, a, a, a tough start for me as well. Um, that being said, I immediately thought of this. This is like the only... You know, you're watching an episode of TV or whatever, and you're making predictions in your own mind, like, oh, what are they are going to do? And the second we saw the cat for the first time, I was like, that's how they're going to figure it out, and that's how they're going to do it. Um, small victories is what I have to take here, Todd. Small <laughs> victories that I can't even claim, you know, officially, because, you know, I couldn't predict that, like, mid-podcast, because, you know, we had no idea. But um, interesting stuff going on this episode. We had the Kentaro episode last week, which... Uh, you know, mixed reviews, I guess, from us. I think I overall enjoyed it. I think I enjoyed this one more than the Kantaro episode. This was the Kate episode, and still nothing from the way, way past. We did another um situation here where we're going a little bit in the past. We're not going fully in the past as we did for the first three episodes. We just went back a year to 2014. Todd, did this land better or worse than the Kentaro retrospective?
1: that's an interesting question i think it's it's interesting because this was um like we were like i think almost over halfway through the episode before we even got a flashback i was starting to think we weren't getting a flashback in this episode i thought we we're gonna have just completely set in 2015 so when we finally got the g-day minus two i'm like oh oh we are gonna see something in the past okay cool um now I wasn't the biggest fan of all the Kintaro stuff. But I think in some ways the Kintaro flashback landed better for me mm. than this did just because it is like so brief. I, I wish we'd gotten more. I think it's my, my big complaint about this. I think I like the content that we got, but it's just like just a handful of really brief scenes. And you know, we get, I think we get enough information about Kate's uh mindset and what's going on with her, but I would have liked a little bit more, I guess is my biggest complaint about it. I think it, I think it works fairly well with what little we got, but I kind of wanted more. I wish we'd gotten the same amount of time and energy devoted to Kate's backstory that we got to Kentaro's last time. I think that's my biggest complaint about it.
0: Yeah, it's really interesting because we did, we certainly got more of the Kentaro previously stuff in the last episode than we did of the Kate stuff this episode. But I also appreciated the amount of Kate-centric storyline happened in the present day um and we got that a little bit with the Contaro stuff last episode and the case stuff this episode. So I actually I actually kind of been enjoying the pacing of that. I think that's actually working pretty well of showing us the stuff from the past based on who we're focusing on in the present. I think that's uh, that's you know pretty good. It's not revolutionary storytelling by any means, <laughs> yeah. but I think I think it's still as effective and there's a reason it's you know popular and kind of common. Um That being said, I think I actually enjoyed the content of the Kentaro flashback more than the content of the Kate flashback, but I enjoyed this episode more because I like what's happening in the present day storyline. I find this really, really interesting um, and something that basically not ignored, but like. Not really talked about in the monsterverse movies the actual impact of the day-to-day lives of the you know specific situations what's going on after G day there's a whole area of city that got wrecked I mean truly wrecked and here we are we have these these new jobs specifically created to like find people's stuff and retrieve the personal memories and how do people get their stuff back and where are they living now and that kind of stuff i find that really interesting like that the the fallout of the events that occurred on g day that's fascinating to me and i'm glad that we got to spend some time doing that and i love that kate's mom um who we finally get to meet this episode after only having heard her on the phone previously a, a plethora of times admittedly um i was i was really enjoying that stuff and i think that's what landed the best for me this episode i was glad that we took a step back from uh Kentaro and May and their melodramatic nature <laughs> and all the different times that Kentaro was being super annoying we didn't really get that this episode which i did appreciate so um I think that's the that, that's probably the biggest reason why this landed for me the most. That being said, the one weak area, at least in my opinion, it wasn't even weak compared to like what we actually got. What we got was good. I could use more Kurt Russell on my TV screen, basically at all times. I'm never mad if there's more Kurt Russell, and we did not get a lot of lead this episode. We got so little.
1: Yeah, it was basically like two scenes is all that we got. I feel like uh two two three scenes, but also like really really brief sequences yeah i would have liked a lot more of lee because my favorite parts in the episode were his little verbal sparring match with verdugo like mm-hmm. that was the be- the best parts episode for me i will agree i like this episode more than i like the last episode and for some reason like in the very first episode i talked a lot about how some of my favorite things in this sort of genre stuff is like how do the normal people deal with yeah. these monster things. Like I loved everything that we got to see Tokyo and how they were dealing with the, the fallout of G day and how everything was working there. Very similarly, you know, I like to see this because Tokyo was like, okay, we're trying to be prevented even though nothing really happened here. And where San Francisco is like, Oh no, this is like the actual aftermath of G day. And how is this really affecting people's lives? And yeah, I really enjoyed getting like a glimpse into all of that. I enjoyed I like I said, a uh, Kentaro was not anywhere near as annoying. May wasn't as annoying uh, as they have been the last few episodes. Uh, I do have like a, a complaint about Kentaro. We'll get there. We'll get there. A uh, Kentaro and Kate both. Uh, there's one scene. I'm just like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Uh, but uh, we'll definitely. We'll take some time to talk about that. What do you mean, Todd?
0: How I'm assuming we're talking about the same thing here. We are the last people on Earth to ever (laughs) criticize someone for breaking into song randomly at times where it's inopportune. Unless you're talking about a different scene. But I have to assume that that's what you're talking about. We, We cannot be the ones that criticize people for that. Or at least me.
1: I do that all the time. I mean, I do it all the time, too. But I will say... I have never been in a situation where if I do it, people are going to shoot me dead. Okay, and I well. would, I like to think that a, uh, whenever a situation where someone's going to shoot me dead, if they hear me, I would be able to contain myself. Um, I've managed to like not sing along out loud while I'm watching a musical in the theater. So if I can contain myself there, I think I can contain myself. <laughs>
0: Well, that's we're just different time different. and courtesy. There's no oh. adrenaline or life online. Todd, I do have to ask a very personal question, though. Have you ever been in a situation where someone would like shoot you dead if you were ever singing something?
1: Because me personally, I've never been in that situation. Uh, not so far. I think I've been in situation where people kind maybe have wanted to shoot me dead because I was singing. <laughs> I can think of like what I, I was a-, a school trip once and a. Uh we were on a, a, a train and the entire train car was like people from this organization, but it was like late night driving from uh, North Carolina to Washington, DC. And there's a group of us who just did not want to sleep. And we were just, you know, being obnoxious. I will oh, admit it. We were, wow. so we were like singing, uh, singing theme songs to TV shows. And a uh, some guy who I admittedly did not like anyway, a friend's like, sing the lyrics to MASH. So they'll shut you up. And of course, I know the lyrics of the theme song to MASH because it does have lyrics. So, I did sing them, and he was not a happy camper. But all the rest of the people I was singing the songs with, I, I was their hero for the second. But I think that guy would have shot me dead if he had uh, had a chance. Oh my gosh.
0: Okay, well, um,
1: fair enough. Uh, okay, let's
0: get into this. Uh, if you are not subscribed uh, to uh, this feed or to all the other amazing content that Potion Recaps is coming out with, what are you doing? Come on, slash subscribe. Get on it. We're here. Every single week talking about every single episode of Monarch all the way until like January something. I don't even know um, how long. Oh, I guess this is episode five. So five more weeks we're going to be with you uh, for this uh, for this show for Monarch Legacy of Monsters. But we have so many other shows we're talking about here on Post Recaps. There's tons of um, uh, year in review podcasts coming out around this time. We have so much content for you over this holiday season. So go check it out. postrecapscom slash subscribe. But Todd, let's get into Season 1, Episode 5 of Monarch Legacy of Monsters. The Way Out is the title of this one. Let's start, um, as we did last episode, let's start with our little bit of the past. Let's go back one year, G-Day minus two, and then uh, G-Day minus one as well. We're going to start there, kind of in this flashback. And like we were saying before, there's not a lot here. There's a couple, there's a couple days, there's a couple scenes, but they're not very long scenes. Um, and we only go a couple of times. So we're a couple days before G day, Kate and her uh, girlfriend, Danny are talking about moving in together. Kate is, uh, this is a big thing, Todd. I mean, moving in together, very serious, like step in a relationship here that Kate and um, her her partner, Danny are, are working for. But it seems like Kate is really not that interested um, and we we see later uh, a couple things that that pretty uh, pretty much confirm that lack of uh, interest or lack of desire to commit. Um, As we go to the next day, we see Kate kind of in bed with with another woman as um, uh, she's being texted by Danny. Um, And we're we're basically the backdrop of this as we're talking about um, a a coffee shop and the lack of commitment there. Um, I I don't know if we have anything to really say about this. Live your life, Kate. I mean, it obviously doesn't seem like it's that serious of a situation, but I guess like my one takeaway here is um, like father, like daughter is sort of the is sort of the idea.
1: Yeah, I think that's really what they're trying to hammer home, especially Kate is the in the present storyline kind of alludes to that thought process a little bit. But I was I was very surprised, I never got this shot. I'd like rewind because I wasn't paying super close attention to the screen. I was like taking notes. I looked up like, wait, that 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 was a different woman, right? That wasn't, you know? <laughs> I had to rewind real quick to make sure, like, oh yeah, no, that was that was not Danny. That was not her girlfriend. Danny's texting her at this moment. That's that's not great. Uh so, yeah, I think it is just kind of show that Kate is not perfect. Kate has her own issues. It's, uh, whenever a uh, Danny first asked Kate to move in with her, Kate's like, haven't you learned your lesson yet? And I think that's kind of like Kate saying, I'm a mess. I'm a disaster. Why do you want me to move in with you? Uh, but Kate says yes at first and takes the keys. But then the next day we see her staring, you know, sitting in bed, staring at the boxes. And whoever sits in her bed is like, so are you moving? Kate just kind of like so
0: it's tough it's really tough because obviously like she made some effort there in terms of you know getting the boxes and putting stuff in the boxes I guess and, and starting that process but yeah I don't think commitment is in Kate's future at any point and we don't you know we don't see her talk about um Danny or anyone really in the present storyline so we know there's not you know kind of a through line there other than the mentality that that Kate has here and her kind of you know lack of desire to to commit to something um i don't know there's not a lot there going on but that was that was basically half of the story that we got and the other half um, was Kate at work. She is a, a school teacher, something we probably have been told before, but I had totally forgotten, but I really did. I really did like this. She's kind of working. Also, um, this is Danny who works with her, right? Her girlfriend works with her at the school. Is that that's yeah. correct? Yeah. Danny okay.
1: is a teacher there as well.
0: Okay. 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 So that's, oh, that's a little awkward. Um, so we're at school and this is um, the day before G day, or, or this is G day. Um when we when we first see it, right? This is G day. A bunch of students are not there, right? Yeah, that, that's, a, a of that's, that's, that's a couple
1: days before. That's a couple days before. That's the same day that she got the keys. Now, first, she heard with the kids in the classroom. That's G day minus two because they're true. all like watching the watching the camera or look on their their camera phones, going, "Oh, you know, my dad says this is just a big hoax to to bust the real estate bubble." <laughs> you know, the conspiracy theories flying fast and loose. And... Hey, I'm not going to
0: lie to you. I'm down for a real <laughs> crash. However, we need to do it. You know, if we need to bring Godzilla in here in order for me to be able to buy a house at some point in my lifetime, I'm down, you know, whatever we need to do.
1: And, but Kate is, Kate is like, Oh yeah, you're right. It's probably a hoax. And which is interesting. Cause Kate is the one who gets the conspiracy theory later when she first gets to Japan. And it's very much just like, mm, yeah, no. And the, then like another teacher or principal comes in to check on them. And Kate's like, yeah, we're just giving the kids a lesson on how don't believe everything you see on the internet. And the other teacher's like, yeah. So make sure they all have their family reunification plans. And we might have to close the school because this could be really happening. She's like, uh, believe it, believe this one.
0: Um, which you know, obviously, fair enough, because we're gonna see we, we we did see a little bit of this uh, in a previous episode of a flashback for Kate as well of her interaction on the bus, which is basically the only other thing that happens in this past storyline. Because on G day, we kind of see her decide to get on that bus and not stay there with Danny, who I think is watching over some other kids. Um, in the gym, they're only letting buses out of of, of a bridge or something like that, and so Kate decides to get on the bus instead of staying with danny and of course we have seen i think it was the very first episode what happened with kate on the bus as well which by the way makes that like infinitely more tragic than um than maybe i had originally thought i guess (laughs) i had not put two and two together of like who else would actually be on that bus but that is not good that is not a good situation not not good stuff obviously a lot of like mental trauma there for kate but that's our past storyline, Todd. That's the flashbacks that we get throughout this episode. Only a couple scenes, not a lot of stuff.
1: Yeah, uh, the w- The one thing I wanted to mention here is, so basically the same person who had like come to Kate's classroom and said, hey, make sure your kids have their unification plans and all. She's the one who's like, okay, Kate, are you chaperoning on this bus? I can take it if you want to stay here with Danny. And Kate kind of stares. And that's when we actually get like a flashback within a flashback to Danny sleeping with somebody else. <laughs> Or Kate, see me somebody else, and then she comes back like, no, I'll I'll get on the bus. And Danny's like, you know what? I, I did learn my lesson. But we were good. You just don't want good. And so it's kind of a very much a uh, oh yeah. I was like, hi, you're it, 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 you're the problem. You're the problem, Kate, right there. Uh, you self destructed. And Kate seems to like take that to heart.
0: She takes it to heart. That being said, in terms of getting on the bus versus staying. I'm probably getting on the bus. Um, Like I'm getting out of there. Like I I don't really care about my situation ship. You know, if I'm, we're not even living together. (laughs) I'm getting on the bus. Are you kidding me? This isn't serious enough. Um, Okay. That's it. That's it for the past storyline. They'll make like some references to it. And it is um, a couple of the times when Kate is sort of imagining some of those flashbacks, it's a little debilitating in the present storyline. But other than that, that's it. That's it of the past. Normally, we spend about half the podcast talking about the past storyline. That will not be the case today because there's just not enough content there. The other thing that I do want to talk about, though, Todd, um, as we are kind of shifting towards the present here, we kind of get this opening. We'll talk about the main group in just a second, but they all get let go, more or less, followed on a very long leash, as they say. But Lee does not. Lee has to stay in this monarch post and be interrogated by who we now know. Confirmed, fully confirmed in the episode. One of the only names that they use in this episode. They don't like saying names a lot in this episode, but for one of the names we used, assistant director Verdugo. I'm trying to do my uh Kurt Russell impression there, Verdugo. Um, and uh that, that uh she and Lee kind of have this verbal sparring match here as they're going back and forth. There were some there were some good lines uh in, in here, and I really do appreciate um both of their acting abilities. I don't know her from anything i i don't think i've ever seen her in anything or know what she's from obviously you know uh, kurt russell is kurt russell so we know like uh you know these scenes can can more or less carry themselves but um the only kind of like subtext here that i do want to talk about um he knows more than he's letting on to the kids which i thought was very interesting um because i don't think that i had i don't think that i had assumed that I just kind of assumed that he was going to be more or less transparent with the kids about their father. Doesn't seem to be the case. She also knows more, obviously. I, did, I, I think we could all pretty much assume that. The other kind of like little bit of subtext here. She is the assistant director. Assistant director for Dugo. And th- she seems to have some aspirations of being full-on director. Um, my question, though, who is the director? Have we met them? Do we know who they are? Do we do we think there's gonna be some kind of power struggle here? It's not Tim. Tim's not the director. Uh nope. I'll tell you that for free.
1: He's um, the troll in the basement.
0: He's the troll in the basement. She is the assistant director. Um, and that's really it. That's kind of the the back and forth here. And there's some you know talk about what monarch is, what monarch does, what they're good at. I do freaking love uh Lee's liner is like what what are we good at? Nothing, not <laughs> Not a thing, um, which is just really, really great. I I am I enjoy this, it's just not a lot, Todd. That's my problem with this kind of portion of this. I liked their back and forth. I could have watched it for 20 minutes. Instead, we got three.
1: Yeah, and it's one of those scenes that like I said, there's some really great lines. In it, there's some really great back and forth between them. Like he's getting all these little digs at her about being the assistant director and not being in charge and all that type of thing, and she's getting some digs in back at him. They have some really good exchanges, but it's also maddeningly vague. They talk around everything. Uh, it's a, but it's it's the thing where they both know what they're talking about, but we as the audience know what they're talking about. So they're. They're not saying anything concrete. They're just dancing around it. Like she has some what's in those files. And his response is nothing you don't already know and everything you don't want to believe. I'm like, that's not helpful. That's not helpful at all. <laughs> you know? I, I want to know what's on the files Lee. Come on. Uh, so that's the, it's like really brief. Uh, we didn't get a whole lot of Lee in this episode, which again, is a crying shame because Kurt Russell is one of the best things about the, the present storyline, let alone the show. And, but they do drop a few hints and the like one thing you like mentioned which it surprised me as well never she asked talking about the kids he's like oh the kids don't know anything i made sure of that that was the the moment like oh oh mm-hmm. lee is playing some you know granted he could have been lying to verdugo he could have you know, been lying to her here but i don't know that he was because the kids don't seem to know much of anything yeah outside of what they've already done so he's told them just as enough to like string them along the path to get them to where he wanted to go he wanted to find hiroshi and he needed their help and so he fed them enough information to do that but he didn't give them any more information than they really need to know to accomplish the mission that he was on lee has his own motives
0: he He certainly does and we and uh, the the biggest question mark in my head is like, what are they outside of finding Hiroshi? right? Like I, I I think that that is pretty solidly a motive of basically everyone on the show, basically. I you know every everyone wants to either find Hiroshi or or figure out what happened. But I feel like there's more there for Lee, and we just don't know what it is. Um my the only question I have, Todd is, are we ever gonna meet the director of Monarch? Are we ever gonna meet the director? Do Have we met the director of Monarch? maybe? I think I think there's uh, I don't know maybe maybe we've like met someone randomly and we can't think about it. There's not a lot of characters though, so maybe not. But are we ever going to meet
1: the director? I mean, possibly. I'm trying to remember if we have met a director in like the films themselves. You know, we because we have met some people from Monarch in the films, but I don't think in Godzilla that we actually met the director. We met Sarazawa and Graham, but they weren't the director.
0: Well, I'm uh, trying to think way back in, well, <laughs> way back in, like, the old old, storyline, the old story the, uh, the origin of Monarch. Was Randa not the, quote-unquote, director of Monarch? Well, he was, but the he, founder?
1: A, uh, he was the director in Kong Skull Island, but he's been dead for a he's long time. He's been dead for ages, of course, yeah. but,
0: okay, so, in, I mean, we have, like, met a... Director, and it's not for nothing. The last name of Randa is you know, uh, right there, so
1: yeah, but okay, all the other randas are kind of taking uh, accountable at this point, they so, are. Accountable uh, for her. So, well, so, so
0: we thought, yeah, uh,
1: as, as far as we know, yeah, uh, a couple other things in this the sequence that I wanted to, to mention is first of all, he critiques <laughs> uh, critiques the uh, Sarazawa's uh a ploy or stratagem in the Godzilla movie of just let him fight, you know, Lee's like, seriously, all these years. And that's the best you could come up with. It's like, yeah, I, I can kind of see that. Like, he's like, what if Godzilla had lost? We would have just been like screwed. And then he like, he kind of ends his last scene in the episode saying Monarch is wrong and has been for a long, long time, but we still don't know exactly what he thinks Monarch is wrong about. Um, but one other thing that is, like, not not actually Lee and Verdugo's conversation, but it's Tim and Duvall watching their conversation. Duvall uh, represents something that I mentioned a few episodes ago about, wait, he should be 90. How does he look like this? And Tim says, like, there's rumor of a mission gone bad. But that's all that they know, and so I think there is like something happened on the mission that has like maybe he got cryogenically frozen, maybe he got de who knows? But something happened, reality went weird around him. Maybe who knows? Uh, but my favorite thing in this is a uh, Duval's like how uh, we we need to know more of that. How does he know all this? And don't tell me it's in the files. And Tim just like pauses and it's like. <laughs> Probably is. You yeah, <laughs> all just think they like, disgusted. It's like like she's so sick of hearing Tim talk about the files, but the files are pretty important apparently. So
0: yeah, I mean there's a reason we've been all all across the world trying to get these files. Um okay, everyone go get your own files. Take them maybe wherever you want to go to Alaska. If anyone is listening from Alaska, let me let me know. I'm curious about the Alaskan representation because um we get to go to some cool places. Uh I only have like a small Alaskan connection. I have like a uncle but it's like a, it's like a fake uncle but it's someone we've always called an uncle who always raced in the iditarod races um and so when they went to Nome, alaska that's like the i think that's the end or it's the beginning it's one of those two it's like anchorage to Nome, so it's the end um i like think the dog sled racing anyway um go get your files go race in the iditarod do, what you need to do. we'll be right back after this quick ad break okay let's pick back up uh with our main group which is the majority of this episode um they started detained in this monarch outpost and eventually um tim is like okay we can use them we can use them but put them on a leash just you know let them let them go but put them on a leash and also um we know more about them but we don't need to seem like we know more about them so just let them go we'll follow and we'll figure it out and they do kind of hear um but not before May is enlisted, more or less to be a super secret spy. This, these are this is my interpretation of the situation. Um, may is enlisted to be a top secret super secret double agent spy by Duval, who leaves a card there. He's like, hey, may or, or or should I say Lyra? Oh, May. May, obviously not her real name. I think we all could have assumed that there's a top secret, you know, May situation going on here. We learn a little bit more, a little bit more about May here. Not a lot, but we get a little bit more time.
1: Yeah. It's it's a little confusing though, because like she has talked about her sister, Lyra, the phone that she, the call that she get was like as Lyra. And here, like at first it seems that Duval is like calling her Lyra, but she also says the passport doesn't really look like May. So it's almost like May has her sister's passport on her for some reason, biological twins
0: switched at birth situation. I don't know. Uh, What's the, the, the one, the swap. um, They just swapped, you know, I don't know. (laughs) There there could be something here. So uh, obviously may is like shrouded in mystery and we're, we have to get the may episode at some point. Um, I don't know how soon it's going to happen because they're really setting this up as a big may um, reveal, but like,
1: what could it even be? Maybe may is the director of Monarch. (laughs) that would be an interesting (laughs) turn uh i don't know that logistically it follows but uh it would be surprising that's for sure uh i i have i feel like the next episode might be the May. i feel like the end of this episode is really setting up for us to get the may no double agent turncoat episode and i feel like that is really going to be the best time to like do that also feels like it's a be like a nice trio of episodes following our three core characters in the in the present you know just like back to back to back flashback episodes i think would be nice and then maybe go back to like flashbacks uh older with like lee and stuff like that maybe afterwards hopefully to be
0: honest with you i think i need to go back sooner than that i don't think i can do another episode where we don't go to the past storyline so maybe we let may simmer for just a second but i don't know we'll see because there's a lot of stuff going on with lee as well there's there's like more stuff happening that we need to figure out how to resolve in the present storyline but we let them go we let the kids go let them cook Okay, we gave him new passports. We gave him some money. We gave him some flights. They, you know, they're able to go to the airport. The May gets into it with uh one of the one of the airport uh agents, and she's like, "Okay, well, what time is this flight?" He was like, "Okay, one star review. This is ridiculous. Is the where's the bar?" And she's like, "Well, the bar's not open. It's like nine forty-five in the morning." And May's like, "One star review on TripAdvisor. You per you." you individual gate agent you're going to pay for this with my one star trip advisor review and i'm like in in no world does this agent care about yeah. any review that you are ever going to leave like n- not only does the company probably not care this woman is never going to see this review and is never going to be mentioned one singular time so i like what a you were literally a like tech genius you should be able to ruin this woman's life with your technological <laughs> abilities and you're talking about leaving like a negative, uh, like Yelp review for the, for this gate agent at an airport? Come on, hey. come on.
1: I, I feel like the Tripadvisor thing was more a tongue-in-cheek comment because what started was the lady asking, "How have you enjoyed your time in Alaska?" and her going, "I have not." Two stars and Tripadvisor, which really has nothing to do with this agent or anything that has happened. It's because she's been kidnapped and all. So I don't think May is actually threatening to leave a one-star review. I think she's just venting her frustration at the world. I'm just saying, May, you got to use the use the tools at your disposal yeah. here. you really,
0: uh, uh, May could destroy someone, uh, technologically. I'm pretty okay. sure.
1: Uh, one of my favorite things in this whole sequence, like before we get to that, is never Tim is dropping them off. And Tim does this whole kind of like, wake up sheeple, <laughs> clapping his hands in their face and telling them you almost got killed. You got to stop doing this. You know, try, trying to do some reverse psychology on them a little bit. And then he hops in the van and he's like, how was that to do ball do I was like, you're learning. So I kind of <laughs> like that, you know, Tim is finally learning how to be a spy. So good on you, Tim. Way to go. Also, also earlier, like Tim was a, uh, Complaining to Duval about how the kids are being treated, it's like this from the man who abducted them. It's like mistakes were made. I'll admit that.
0: Yeah, I don't. Uh, Tim is a weird character. <laughs> I I think I'm enjoying following him, but I don't understand him at all. Um, I, we'll see. We'll see what kind of arc Tim has going through going forward here. But we let him go, and originally May is like I. Have no interest in pursuing this matter. Could not be less interested. This is too dangerous. I don't. This is not for me. I got to go home. And then they're both like, okay, well, you can't do that because we need the files. And also, it's our dad. So if you leave right now, that'd be a pretty jerky thing to do, May. And she's like, okay, fine. I'll follow you. I'll, we'll, keep, we'll keep going. And we go to San Francisco and we're like, okay, well, where. Well, to determine where they should go. They're like, okay, where can we go to? You know, uh, keep looking at these files, get more information, figure out where Hiroshi went. Well, he had a second family, second office. This makes complete sense to me, Todd. Two families, two offices, one office per family. That's how I do it. I have one office per family. Um, this makes sense to me. So we have to go to San Francisco to look into uh, his office that was there. Good for them. I like this idea. Pretty clever, but we're going back to San Francisco, which is, of course, where GDA occurred. And Kate has a lot of negative memories associated with this place. And we're meeting Kate's mom because we have yet to meet her in a uh, physical capacity. She's been on the phone multiple times. I think that's actually how the series started: was Kate uh, at a phone call with her mom, um, and we're meeting her. And they, you know, uh, they, they get there, and um, her work friend, her quote-unquote work friend ha, ha 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 little little work friend situation james is picking them up from the airport and kate is like no 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 i don't want to ride in this
1: car but they go they go with james what'd you make of james todd um i, I like Kentaro's assessment of him like he's very american i thought that was <laughs> that is so true <laughs> it's very very true yeah, I mean, James seemed like a, a nice guy. He was trying to be helpful, you know? Just a dude, yeah. You know, just like a, a guy, like, you know, who was like his work friend, quote unquote, was asking for a favor and he's just trying to help out. And Kate's been extremely rude to him. And he's just like, okay, but yeah, your mom really wants me to drive you. So let's let's do this. Yeah,
0: I was really expecting that you're not my real dad Uh, this episode. <laughs> and we, we, we didn't actually get it, but we, we kind of got it. Um, so James is driving them off and we get to meet Kate's mom. Welcome uh, Kate's mom. And he's like, oh my gosh, thank you. I'm so glad you're back. Okay. Who are, who are these friends? Well, and then Kate is immediately like, this is Kentaro. You know how you sent me to Japan to see what I could find? Well, I found a stepbrother. Here he is. This is Kentaro Randa. Nice to meet ya. And Kate's mom is like, oh, um, you want to come inside? It's really nice to meet you. This is not awkward at all in any capacity. Hello, stepson. I don't, I don't know if that's Like, uh, I don't know. There's no, there's something there. There's a connection. It's a weird one, but, um, what a weird uh, first occurrence here. And Kate just does kind of blurt this out. Like, Kate is not gentle about this at all. They're both like, let's go. We'll go, we'll go for a walk. You can break the news lightly. And she's just like, well, that didn't really happen the other way with Gontaro's bomb. So here we go. Let's just rip off the bandit, which I appreciate. This is how I prefer news to be delivered to me. Just tell me what's going on. I don't need to be coddled here. Let's go. Just just deliver the, deliver the information and let's get out of here. I don't know that that was the greatest choice for this situation, but... That was what Kate went with, and here we are. What yeah. interesting interesting uh, meeting for the first time here.
1: Yeah, I, I don't think it was Kate's plan. I think because <laughs> they were all like, oh, yeah, let's, you know, we'll go for a walk and they, your mom and you a chance to, like, settle in and everything. And then her mom comes out to greet them. And then Kate's just like, I think, like, screw it. Why bother? And just like right off, you know. This is Katara Randa, and and you can see see the mom like doing the mental math for a second, and going, "Oh crap, mm. yeah."
0: Oh. But you know what? She doesn't even seem that surprised. She does. She just seems uncomfortable. Not as much surprise as Kate had, and um, you know, we 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 learn, uh, you know, sort of throughout the rest of the episode, um she kind of knew something was up. She didn't know exactly what was going on. She didn't want to ask questions, but she knew something was up and just never told Kate, but she suspected, which is why she sent Kate over there to figure out what's, what's going on here. Why, why are we paying for an extra apartment and, and what's going on? Um, She had been able to put two and two together more or less, but had chosen not to mentally. And of course now we have work friend to, um, you know, be involved in the situation as well, but um, they're there for a different purpose to get into the office. And luckily for them, Kate's mom works with this kind of reclamation group. I think it's like a division of FEMAs, is, is what they are calling it here, where um they're they're sort of in charge of the wreckage area from G Day. They go in, they find stuff, and when they um, you know, they kind of collect it, and then people can, you know, claim their stuff. Basically, she has access to the area where his office is, but it's heavily guarded because as you would suspect. If there's a situation with a bunch of wreckage, people are going to want the stuff. They're going to say, oh, look, free stuff. And apparently those looters are being shot on site. There is uh, no situation where people could just go in to either get their stuff or to get other people's stuff. They're just being shot on site. But we're going to risk it. We're going to risk it for the biscuit. We have to get in there. We have to figure out what's going on in this office, if there is an office, and get the information. Um, and, and they're able to get in because Kate's mom has the hookup. Interesting. I like this like world building of it all was maybe maybe a little cute in terms of like the execution here. But I like the I like the situation. I like that we're using Kate's mom to get into this zone, to get into her father's office um, or at least get to the place where her father's office is. They still have to do a little bit of work to actually get there, which we'll talk about here. But um, I like the hiding in the van. I like the, you know, in and out. And we have to this is the timeline. Let's get in. Let's get out. Super secret spy mission. That's basically what this is. This is get in, get out, mission impossible, except with drawing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I've got to bribe the guard a little bit to make sure they don't check the back of the, the truck. Oh yeah, it's yeah, I, I really enjoyed this. Um, I really enjoyed this, the exchanges between Kate and her mom before all that happens as well. Uh, because like you mentioned, yeah, Kate's mom sent her there because she knew something was off, but she also sent Kate there to get Kate off of her butt because Kate had basically just holed up in their home after G day. She refused to go to support groups. She refused to do anything, any therapy, nothing. She was not getting any help for the PTSD. She was suffering. She was just basically just rotting away in their home. And so forcing her to go this, it was a, a way to find out what happened with Hiroshi's other life, but, B, she sent Kate and didn't go herself because she wanted Kate to get forcibly shaken out of her shell, and it succeeded beyond her wildest imaginings. I think I don't think Kate's mom could have ever guessed just how much this was going to get Kate out of the shell that she was in.
0: Oh, yeah, Kate is, that shell is long gone. Um, she might think that's still there, but okay, so we're inside the wreckage zone, we are in the place where we should not be, and we're running. We see some cats all over the place, we do see like. Armed guards, some sort of military police force situation here that have pretty big guns that are, uh, you know, aimed around that are the, they're looking for people. Um, they're looking for you know, people who are, are looting or people who are like taking stuff or even people who are just squatting. Um, and so they have to they have to be able to maneuver around. And we basically see uh, a couple minutes of this, probably probably too long of them just like walking around here, looking through stuff, hiding. They're hiding behind cars. There there are a bunch of cats there, which we kind of talked about a little bit earlier. Um, and they're just trying to get to the office. There's a couple of different times where they have to you know throw something over, and a cat's there, or they almost get caught. And it turns out there were other people there as well that kind of get you know. A, motioned over i'm glad that we didn't actually see the other people get shot they were just kind of like you know uh, herded into a, a, a different location and probably taken out by uh, extreme force but um they're able to get out i don't know if there's any any part of this that you want to talk about until we get to the the singing of it all and the connection that they make there but it was just you know action suspense sequences here
1: yeah i mean the singing of it all happens before they run to the other people you know they're walking through and Kentaro just starts singing a song in (laughs) Japanese. And at first, Kate's like, "Get, get out of my way. And then he keeps singing, and then she starts singing along because it turns out they're old commercial jingles that their dad used to sing to them, just goofy things. Like he would come with them being all serious, say, I have something serious to tell you, and then just start singing this goofy commercial jingle. And so Kate and Kentaro both start singing these Japanese commercials to each other as May is like, "Uh, inside voices, please, because that's the thing. They're not just singing quietly. They are belting these songs out at the top of their lungs. And again, all right. And it was one thing that this had happened at the very beginning, whenever they haven't run into the patrols, but they've just had a scene right before this where they're hunkered down about to be shot until Kentaro thinks quick and like lures some cats over and distracts them. They were just like seconds away from being shot in the head, not a minute earlier. And now they are singing jingles at the top of their lungs. I was like, Guys, guys, again, yeah, I'm someone who understands the urge to burst into song at the top of a hat. I've been finding the urge to sing North to Alaska with North, you know, every time that you mention they're going to Alaska. I've been finding that urge this entire podcast. Um, so I understand it. But uh, this is a situation where you just got to keep it inside. Just hold on to it just a little bit longer until you're not in mortal peril.
0: Yeah, I mean, they are in mortal peril for sure, Um, although admittedly not as much mortal peril as Kate was because we do get a little bit of a flashback here. And it's not like a full flashback scene, but it's just Kate kind of remembering her experience on G-Day as she's sort of running through the subway. And it's very debilitating. She is she I mean, she cannot move. She has to sort of stand there and may has to kind of come help her while Kentaro finds an exit. But ultimately, they're able to get through and get out. You know, I, I would say no problem, but there were, I mean, there were a couple of complications along the way, yeah. but they're able to get through, they're able to get to the office, they get into the office, they're like, okay, we know the deal, we're not new at this, we know where the secret safe is, yeah, and they throw off the map, and it, you know, goes to the ground and all the little pieces that were on it kind of uh, settling on they're we like, oh, wait a minute, there's nothing there, how could there be nothing behind this map Why would he not keep the secret safe in the same place in both offices? And I'm like, okay, first of all, there's a bunch of other pictures and maps on the wall. Like, how do you not know that it's behind a different one? Like, why did it have to be behind the big one? But they look around and they're looking at the, they're looking at the, you know, big map that's kind of on the ground at this point. They're getting a little frustrated. But then Kate is like, wait a minute. I've seen some of these drawings before. And then Kentaro kind of looks around and is like, huh. Remember my, remember my first art gallery show, my first one, and we kind of, you know, we remember a little bit. Well, part of it was superimposing images or projecting images onto other images, which create different images. And of course we saw this a couple of episodes ago with the, I I think it was like migration patterns or something along those lines and the, and the light patterns, um, when they were meeting up in that past storyline at the site, uh, it was either episode two or episode three. I don't remember which one, but we have seen this before of the superimposing. We draw lines on a piece of paper and then place that piece of paper on another piece of paper and the lines match up. And so let's do it again. And Kentaro, you know, gets the pencil and starts you know, poking holes in some of the, some of the areas, holds it up against the, the window where of course the sun is rising perfectly to shine in as we project onto the big map. And I'm not going to lie to you, Todd, I thought this was pretty cool. It's a little (laughs) cute. It's a little cute. It's a little too perfect. It's like, okay, we could have made it work in a way that wasn't, you know, I I would have, I would have preferred had we like needed a flashlight to go up behind it and then had to adjust the angle perfectly. I could have done without the, oh, the windows in the perfect angle. Look at Whatever. Okay. I'm forgetting that part of it. It looked cool when they lined it up and the light shined through. I thought it was cool. thought it was interesting. Um, I like that it wasn't just, oh, we found the perfect file that we needed to find to get to the next location. I do like that there was a skosh of agency here to give them some ability to do something, to figure out something that it wasn't just, oh, hi, I went to Africa, signed H. You know what I mean? Or, or just the pencil shavings, which by the way, I would not want to be a pencil around this man. Pencils beware, hide your pencils around Hiroshi because that guy is ripping them up and cutting them and shredding them. Like nobody's business. There are pencil shavings everywhere. That is the only way to tell where Hiroshi's been. He leaves them like a friggin' trail. Um, I liked the scene in the office. I thought it was fun. I thought it was interesting.
1: Yeah. I did appreciate that. uh, Kentaro didn't get it right on the first try. With his projection. He put it up there, he moved it up and down, then he flipped the paper around and had to like do a little bit before he's able to get things to perfectly line up. Uh, so it wasn't like an automatic. If he'd done it like automatically on the first try, I would have really been like rolling my eyes. Yeah. Uh, a lot. But the fact they actually had like a little bit of trial and error to get it to line up, uh, like not a lot of trial and error, but just a little bit to show that yeah, there wasn't perfect immediately, but he was on the right track to, able to figure it out. I like that. And yeah, basically what they figure out is like, oh, these, these dots on the map are corresponding to the places we've already been. It's corresponding to Tokyo. It's corresponding to Alaska. And it's corresponding to somewhere in Africa. So now they have like an idea of where to head next. So yeah, I thought this was was cool. Uh, getting to see them uh, kind of work together. And there's also just a little bit of a connection between Kentaro May here. It's like, you know, remember my first, uh he says something about his first show and he's like yeah i remember and they have this like little brief moment where it's like oh yeah remembering whenever they did have a connection whenever they didn't hate each other's guts (laughs) as they apparently have like recently so i thought that was like a a nice nice scene between the two of them
0: was this the faces is the is the uh, not what's it called projection is the projection the faces is that what we saw previously
1: yeah, I think that's what they was talking about. I think like the the faces were saw was like different things are being projected on top of each other, different faces being projected on top of each other, and okay. as as if things are being projected, it would change how the faces looked. I think that's kind of the idea.
0: Okay, I would have maybe appreciated that. Being a little cleaner in terms of what we had already seen. Like, if you would have asked me before this episode, describe Kentaro's art gallery, I could have gotten you to the faces. I would never have said the word projection, though. Like, I I don't think I ever would have said that. So maybe I would have appreciated a little bit more. But also, maybe that's just me not understanding art. I guess it could be the other thing.
1: I think whenever, like, his mom was reading the description, I think he mentioned projection stuff, there may be... I, to be fair, I kind of zoned out on the description of it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't have understood art regardless, but I guess like maybe that's, maybe that's more the root of my um, lack of understanding is is more than the actual storytelling. But anyway, we have a location and it's somewhere in Africa. I don't think that they say exactly where, but we're going to Africa. That's our next location because that's where Hiroshi might be. Um there were more dots there than just the ones that were also in Africa. Like I think that there, there were there were more um going on, but we Africa's the next place because that's where the next dot is, I guess, along the um along Those, the pattern.
1: Yeah, they'll kind of have a sine wave looking looking pattern, yeah.
0: Which is interesting, A very exciting. Again, we do get that connection to, to stuff that we've seen in that past storyline. It's been a couple of episodes, but um, so that certainly does connect there. And so, okay, we're we're going to Africa and Todd, where are we end. Um, this episode a couple of different things we're back with Kate's mom Hiroshi might be alive and we're going to find him now we don't know if Hiroshi's alive although I'm betting dollars to donuts that he is alive somewhere probably not in Africa but somewhere Hiroshi's got to be alive Hiroshi has yeah. to be at the end of the season somewhere episode eight episode nine whatever we're going to resolve that in some capacity and that he's going to do something in those final episodes, maybe two episodes to to do something I don't know Hiroshi's got to be alive but the other thing May super secret spy May gets uh, make, makes a phone call to Duval and is like, "Okay, I want to go home. I I don't want to do this anymore. I want to go home. What do you need from me?" And we see Duval on the other side being like, wow. <laughs> "Finally, my master plan. Um, potential uh, full director, Duval maybe super secret agent. I don't know." That's when we get it again. May be uh, making some kind of, not, I'm not going to call it a shady deal yet because we don't know what Duval is going to ask. We don't know the full specifics there. Um, Again, May is the tech wizard here. So something involving the files feels likely um, in terms of like what May can actually do or maybe providing information about um, Kentaro or Kato, what they're up to. I don't know. May wants out though, and she is prepared to work with Monarch, capital M Monarch, I guess, to resolve that i don't know what she's gonna need to do we don't really get any information there but there is some kind of back channel between may and duval um super secret spy todd i've been saying super secret spy may
1: yeah i i do love how you're taking her now becoming a spy as validation for you thinking she was already a spy Listen, in the past that
0: was my past storyline you know uh we <laughs> were just flashing back just like they're doing in the show okay um i was just getting spy vibes you know uh little did i know that she was going to grow into that herself um once a spy always a spy meaning if you become a
1: spy you were always a spy uh i see i see that's the spy code. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever helps you sleep at night, man. Whatever yeah, well, I could use a lot more to sleep at night. But
0: um, I, what did you make of this May stuff at the end? Like, is she? I don't think she's gonna like turn on anybody. I don't think there's gonna be any kind of like backstabbing or whatever. Um, and if there is, I think she's just gonna stick with it and then find a resolution out of it. But
1: you know, yeah, it's interesting because they kind of did this little swerve before that because Kate is talking to her mom and telling her mom that Hiroshi's alive. And then Kentaro is talking to May and saying that it's it's weird, but this is actually the best he's felt since his dad disappeared. And he's like, is, is, is that weird? I mean, he's like, you know, my whole barometer for what's weird has changed drastically in the last couple of weeks, which, fair enough. Yeah. Um but Kentaro and May have this kind of, again, like a, a really nice moment. Like, we saw them kind of seem to connect a little bit in Hiroshi's office. And they have this, this moment where they kind of talk, and there's no sniping between the two of them. There's no, like, one of them getting really annoyed at the other ones making a comment about anything. They seem to actually be getting along for once. It seems like, okay, cool. The gang is finally starting to come together. You know, we had Kentaro and Kate kind of... Bond, especially after early in the episode when they were at the uh, the airport and Kentaro made some comment about something and being overwhelmed and stuff, and May was like, "That's probably how Kate felt whenever she met your mom," and kind of got Kentaro thinking, "Oh yeah, I've been a jerk." So then he like tries to like bond with her. It feels like okay, these three are finally coming together as a cohesive unit. We finally have the. The gang ready to go and go to Africa and be a fully formed team. And then one third of the fully formed team is making deals with Monarch. And again, we don't know what that deal is going to look like. But if nothing else, they know, like so. We mentioned last week the laptop with the files on it was destroyed, but May backed them up because May is a savvy tech person and you always back up your files. Always back up your files. Trust me, as someone who did not back my files. In the past, always up your files. Once that computer is gone, you're uh, you're out of luck. So Duval knows that she has the files. So maybe the deal is just uh, May sending the files to Monarch after all, or maybe it's just her like letting them know, "Hey, we figured out where Hiroshi is. Here's where we are," and like, giving letting them keep tabs on them as they're on the move. Although the the fact that they gave them all phones, I have to assume they're tracking them anyway at oh, this yeah. moment. Uh, I honestly, the fact that they, if they still have those phones, though, May's not doing her job. May, super paranoid May probably shouldn't make them throw those phones away as soon as they got them. And buy some new burners because it's like the most obvious thing in the world. Mark's like, here's your, here's new passports and some to tickets and new phones. I'm like, gee, CIA, but for Godzilla, I wonder what these phones are in aid of. Uh, Unless Mae's job is being a super secret
0: spy agent. That's all I'm saying. Uh, they still have those phones. She's, she's working in overtime. The only other thing that I want to say about this episode, um, and I I did appreciate this while it was happening. I want to go back to the Lee and Verdugo thing really, really quickly because in the room, um, where Lee was, they they showed a video of the past storyline. That was that was kind of nothing we saw of them on the beach of Lee and um, oh my gosh, I already forget her name. It's been it's been episodes. Ke- Keiko. Keiko, Keiko, Lee and Keiko on the beach, and I, you know, just in terms of like the projection of it all, I thought that this was. Uh, well done. It didn't actually connect like plot wise, but I did enjoy sort of the um projecting old Lee onto current Lee's face, sort of as he was like standing there in the video. I thought that was a nice little touch of of connection between those storylines there of the projection art. I'm not an artist, uh, and, and I really don't even understand all of this projection stuff, but I thought that was a nice little thing that I just wanted to call it as we were kind of talking about the art to to wrap up the um other side of the storyline. So I did appreciate yeah. that.
1: Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because I really like that in the moment of uh, the, the two Russell's faces kind of like intermingling there. Uh, it was like a really. And they really look like, so
0: similar, mood. Todd. Like they yeah. really do. Like they, uh,
1: you know, it's, it's very obvious in the show that
0: they are like father and son, but I, yeah. I believe that they are the same person. Like that, that truly <laughs> like, is just an older version.
1: So it wouldn't surprise
0: yeah. me if in like 40 years, why Russell looks like her Russell.
1: Yeah. And uh, the other thing I kind of want to go back to is. The the sequence whenever Kate is having her trauma-induced flashbacks in the subway. And that's when we get the flashback to see that she had cheated on Danny and had left Danny. And Danny had made the comment about, you just don't want good. And Kate kind of has this comment about how she doesn't deserve this she doesn't deserve cuz may's trying to help her and she's like i don't deserve you trying to help i don't deserve anyone trying to help me cuz i all i do is let people down like i hate my dad for leaving but i'm not any better and may has to you know kind of talk her down off of that like you you didn't leave me whenever i was about to die from hypothermia you stayed by my side and you you know were there for me and helped me you're you know you're not you know this horrible person you seem to think that you are uh, and so I like, that was another scene of kind of the group coming together, like May, you know, not being like the snarky person, but being very sincere in that moment and trying to talk Kate down and help Kate uh, work through her trauma to a, to a certain degree. And so I really wanted to like put a put a spotlight on that scene since we kind of like glossed over it a little bit, but that's like the connecting part between the flashbacks and the present and like where we kind of get this summation of what Kate's mindset has been through a lot of this is she has a lot of guilt from that from the kids dying not being able to save them everything with her dad she even like kind of hallucinates that Kentaro's her dad a little bit in this this little scene she kind of sees her dad and kind of like pushes Kentaro and says what did you have that was better than being with us you know kind of like projecting her things for his dad onto Kentaro, That's where Kentaro's like, I'm going to go try to find a way out. It kind of goes and realizes they just have to follow the cats out of this thing. But I really wanted to like uh, bring up that whole sequence because it really is like our, our spotlight into Kate's mindset and what she's kind of working through. And by the end of the episode, she finally has come to terms with, okay, yeah, I'm not a complete screw up and I'm going to go find my dad.
0: Yeah, and this was definitely the Kate episode. So I I, I think that like, that's a that's a really good call here and that's I mean that's basically it. That's uh season 1 episode 5, The Way Out of Monarch Legacy of Monsters. Um we'll of course be back next to talk about episode 6. We're 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 at the halfway point. Um I'm liking the show more than I thought I would to be honest with you. Like I I don't know that I was ever going to be like fully in love with it, but I find these characters really interesting and I again Anytime Kurt Russell is on the screen, I am a a big fan of of what's happening here. So um, just loving that. But Todd, uh, what else are you doing these days? Where people find you if they want uh, more Todd librarian? Where can people follow the cats?
1: (laughs) You can follow the cats to... Librarian Todd on most social media platforms because Todd Librarian to me characters. Uh, I just also want to mention that I just saw the new Godzilla movie uh, at the theater oh. uh, this week. Uh, Godzilla minus one is the name of it. It's actually a Japanese production, so it has n- it's no connection to the Monster Verse, and it's ex- but it's set in the forties. It's like right after. World War II is when it's set, and it's like really, really well done. It's like one of the the best Godzilla movies that's come out for a while. So if you're interested in in checking out like kind of more old school Godzilla a little bit or like the Japanese take on Godzilla, I highly recommend checking out uh, Godzilla uh, Minus One. Uh, But other than that, you can also find me every week on One Indescribable Podcast where Adam, TV, Lindy, and I are talking about Girls 5 Eva. And uh, we should be wrapping up the season uh, at this point. So we'll have some other stuff going in after the season's over, but you can find out more about that over at that Twitter, which is one six G podcast.
0: Amazing. I'm Adam H. You can find me on Twitter at panamanadam Adam one, as well as one of the Podcasts, as Todd has already been talking about in the post-show recaps. Late. I'm talking about Dr. Who with Kevin and Melissa. We're into the David Tennant, Catherine Tate stuff, which is really, really fun. I'm, I'm, I'm just loving talking about that so much. Um, I'm also talking about final fantasy nine with the amazing Brooklyn Zed every single week over there as well. Um, as well as a couple other places uh, that are upcoming, you should uh, keep your eyes peeled for more uh, upcoming coverage on post-show recaps, which by the way, if you're not subscribed still at this point, and now into this podcast. You really should. Post your slash subscribe. Because next week, Todd, you and I will be back to talk about episode six of Monarch Legacy of Monsters. And until then, Bye. Ah,